Hey, it's Lynn Stroy, and our jam-packed combo series continues with part two, the real Indians, racial joking, and other things. Just because I don't believe or agree doesn't mean I can't learn from you. Why did you have to bring that up? Okay, that one I'm super embarrassed about. <laughs> Do you like me? Do I like you? Yeah. As, a, as an individual or as yeah, a Yeah, just as a person. No, I like you. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. And I don't have any interest in appearing to be stronger than I am. I ain't bowed a Nebuchadnezzar statue. He gonna leave. You feel me? How do we love people who see the world differently than we do? What would it look like if we truly loved all of our neighbors? Could listening to their stories be the first step? This is Seacoast Church, and there's way more to talk about. Luke Gaikwad joins Lynn, Jack, and Joey. He's from India, so Joey makes everyone uncomfortable, except Luke, by asking some Indian questions, including whether saying something like Indian questions is an okay phrase to begin with. Luke shares what it's like being from India and living in the U.S. He includes a story of how him and his wife, who is white, had to leave a restaurant when they sensed a very unwelcoming vibe from everyone in the restaurant. The four also discuss whether or not society is progressing well and how people treat others, especially other minorities. Like, are we moving towards more harmony in general? Joey wonders whether people could stand to be a bit more lighthearted and loose about what he sees as harmless, even positive, lighthearted, and playful jokes about race. But he also has recently recognized a need for practicing more caution as he recently hurt an African-American friend of his when he texted him and some other friends what he thought to be a harmless joke. It's Luke and Jack, Lynn, and Joey. So, I, I hate it too. I would much rather you tell me what I'm talking about and well, you know a little th- bit. Think but about then it for, it's for, not for a, a minute. Conversation. It's well, not exactly. like friends sitting around a table. Exactly. Yeah. See, Lynn well, gets it. I don't think well on my feet. That's part of the problem. Unless, unless it's a stupid you, joke. I think you feel like you don't think well on your feet because not, I've my yeah. experience of you is that I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. <sighs> I don't like it. I usually prep you guys, but this time I didn't want to because I didn't want you to think about it ahead of time, Jack. Mm, that's your you. favorite, right? It is not. Luke, first timer, right? Yeah. Luke. Yeah. I'm going to let these guys jump in and answer for you if you go the, the humble route. Are you the smartest person on staff when it comes to tech stuff? Like, mm. you know whether you are or not. I don't think so. So y'all get a kick out of this. The interviewing process, I'm the kind of guy that can just work with any personality. So when we're looking at people to hire for the studio and the editing and all that, I mean, I'm basically telling Mike and Luke, hey, listen, if the person knows what they're doing technologically, I can figure out everything else. And so the first part of the interview process is basically him speaking another language to these people, <laughs> at, asking them tech questions. And, and here's the thing is behind the scenes, I know that if they don't know the answers to these questions, we're not hiring them. I have no idea what he's talking about. Though. <laughs> like, Just give me three examples of what you would ask these folks applying for the job. Or- all right. So we're all talking to microphones right now. If I said, tell me the difference between a dynamic mic and a condenser mic. What would you? What would you say? Y'all know dynamic and condenser. <laughs> <laughs> dynamic mic can really, you know, it can work a room. It's good with people. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's good with so, people. Dynamic mic has a personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Like man, that is one dynamic mic. <laughs> so, <laughs> I will accept that answer. One more. One more. Uh, how do two different devices on a Dante VLAN detect and like discover and talk to each other? They go to Devante Bar and they hang out and I'll, they try to. I'll say that again, Dante, not not Devante. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> and Joey, Joey does not get hired. Right. Tamilix was here recently, and I had to tell him, look, we're going to have you back on. He's already on the schedule, but we're going to talk about black stuff. Because I felt bad because I, I didn't want him to think that that's the only reason why he was coming on. But you actually recommended that we talk Indian stuff. Sure. And it's crazy when we when we think of races and racial reconciliation, everybody getting along. My my mind goes to black, white, Hispanic. I don't think Indian, and I don't even know. It, here's here's how far off I am, Luke. I don't know. Would y'all be comfortable if... I'm not comfortable now. <laughs> I send black stuff. Black stuff. <laughs> but, but like if someone said, hey, Joey, what's coming up on the podcast? And oh, well, you know, the main interview is such and such. But hey, Luke is going to be on here for the first time. And he's really interesting. He's an Indian. I can't say that. Is that acceptable? Does that sound okay? He's an Indian? Yeah, except... Or he's a person from India. Uh, he's Indian is fine, except Indian. in North America, that might mean something different. Right, which I want to get into here in a second. So you being referred to as an Indian is appropriate mm-hmm. to your ears. Yeah. Really? Yeah. See, I would have never thought that. Oh, you know, Luke, the Indian. Yeah, the Indian guy. <laughs> the Indian guy. <laughs> Jack is getting more uncomfortable. That would just be so weird. I was like, because you looked at me when you said that. It's like, why would you say it that way? I've known Luke for a long time. <laughs> it would just be so weird. Well, I've got a I've got a really good friend. He owns a theater on James Island, and it's where Seacoast had services for a long time. And he actually validated my discomfort with saying, oh, the Jew, because he's Jewish. And he said, yeah, it would be a lot more palatable to say a Jewish person, not a Jew. And I think that's because of how that word has been used historically. Yeah. How many people in America, maybe our youth or maybe just the general population, understand why we called Native Americans Indians for so long when they weren't actually Indians? Like, do you think that a lot of people in our country have no clue of how that unfolded? I I have no clue why we use that term. Really? Yeah, but it it is weird because I think about that for a lot of things in North America. We call a lot of things not by what they are. USA, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, So, I mean, yeah. So so you guys, when one of these other countries goes to the moon, (laughs) we can talk about what they want us to call folks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so here... (laughs) I feel like we're in the stadium right now. The stadium's just chanting, USA, USA. All right, so maybe I don't have it, but I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it was Christopher Columbus. I don't Columbus. I don't know. I I think it was him. But basically, they said Devante. Devante. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, their thing was. We're going to go all the way around the world, and if we do, we will end up in India. He he set sail to go find India. Right. He landed on the wrong shore and thought that was So they they end up in North America thinking Mm -hmm. they're in India, so everybody that they saw who were Native Americans, they said, oh, Indians. Yep. That's what I've been taught. Yeah. So you're the actual Indian that people... (laughs) Yeah. There you go. That's incredible. Indian from India and Native Americans were misunderstood to be Indians, which is why they've been called that. Yeah. Now, I think, I don't know this, but if you ask Native American if they were to take offense or feel weird about being called Indian, I haven't asked that question. I haven't come across a person I could ask that question. I mean, it it, it is politically incorrect to refer to them as Indians now. 
right? I, I've been corrected before. I would like, think so. Yeah. Like I, I'll slip up and say Indian is like uh, Native American. And and it's crazy because in kindergarten it was Indians. Like, yeah. like let's make the feather hats. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'll stop right there because <laughs> I'll say something <laughs> offensive. But I mean, that's just what we were taught. Cowboys and Indian. Now it's cowboys and Native Americans. Yep. So first of all, not only are you in America, but you are also in a predominantly white church and there's not many people here from India. Yeah. What's your lived experience? It's been a mixed bag, I'd yep. say. Before we moved to Charleston, we lived in Nashville and uh, Nashville had a larger Indian community. Actually has a lot of other countries in Nashville as well. Nashville is a very big refugee resettlement area for a lot of organizations. So lots more cross-cultural restaurants and, and places to to meet people from other countries and, and regions. So definitely if you went to church, it was at least two, maybe three other Indian families at church. Here, maybe, I don't know, I might be, we might be the only one or I may have seen another family, you know, every once in a while. The the mixed bag is, and I'll, I'll, I'll take a step back, you know, growing up in India, growing up in what you were taught, you're in a third world country, right? Everything Western, everything white was better. Was, That's what you were taught. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, indirectly or directly? I would say indirectly. Yeah. We were ruled by the British. They had better infrastructure from where they came from. You, What you saw in the movies, what you saw on TV, what you saw in the news about developed nations being mostly predominantly white was everything was better. You, you had arrived. And so there's this subtle inferiority complex of like, well, I'm, I'm from a third world country. I'm, when I go there, I'm going to stick out just for the color of my skin anyway. But I'm going to have to learn the ways of living in a Western society. And when did you, when did you move here? 2012. Okay. So just a little over 10 years at this and point. Did it, did it feel like you're moving into a part of the world where it's like, I've arrived? Like, did it feel like that? Especially considering what you were taught? Like, man, this is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome in a different way. I think what stood out to me was, yes, infrastructure has, you know, is definitely there. It was way more developed. People are still people, mm. regardless of the color of their skin. People will still have just similar prejudices and similar thought patterns. They might speak differently. They might speak in a different accent. They might look different. It isn't any necessarily, you know, better because somebody grew up in a in a white, predominantly white country that they were going to treat you better or look at you differently because of their upbringing. That had a lot to do with where you were raised and how you were raised and what your parents taught you and what your if you were if you were born and raised or or at least in a in a church environment what your community taught you what your small group taught you so that was the the mixed part of like yeah i mean cities and you know infrastructure is definitely better but people are still people and just as flawed regardless of the color of their skin or the yeah. language they speak mm-hmm. if if you are treated with prejudice here what does it typically look like i mean i have there, there's definitely been, t- been times where i've you know, walked into a restaurant and felt just uneasy with the eyes on, on me. I will say, I think this was very early in a marriage. Jen and I were, I will just say Gatlinburg and leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And we walked into a restaurant. We're so uncomfortable that I, that I, that we got up and left. Dang. Mm. Just because of eyes on you and everything? Yeah. It just felt like you're not welcome here. Wow. Um, Is that surprising to y'all? <laughs> Lynn's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn's like, did you hear where he just said? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and there have been occasional instances, you know, here and there where you are treated differently because of how you look or or how you, how you speak. But 
for the most part, I think people have been very kind and welcoming and open. And I feel like even your your Gatlinburg story, there are some other dynamics at play too, because your wife is not Indian. That's correct. And so it's not just that there is, you know, somebody that's different than me walking in here. There's somebody who's different that's married to somebody who looks like me. Yes. I don't know how I feel about yes, that. Yes, my wife is from from this from this region. She she was born and raised in Monk's Corner. So she's been in the Charleston area for her entire life until just for a few years when she left to move away and where we met. We actually met in Kabul, Afghanistan, and, and then we moved to Nashville for a while and then we moved back home when we had our first daughter. So, But she's from here. And yeah. so, now, so do people, this is completely out of ignorance, I don't know, do people include you in the sort of racial sentiments towards terrorists? Like, is there overlap because of your skin color? Thankfully not. No, I don't know. I, I wasn't, I didn't live in the U.S. when 9-11 happened and, and for at least the, the few years afterwards. So I don't know if that was the sentiment towards any brown skinned person, uh, more so if someone they look like someone that looked like me with, with a beard. I haven't, I haven't experienced that. Yeah. I think I've, I've experienced that more so with jokes among friends, but those I know are like well-meaning jokes, not, not anything racially motivated. Because they're close friendships. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking... You know how how does our culture interact with this sort of thing? Do you do you watch Simpsons? You seem like somebody who would like The Simpsons. No, is <laughs> no. that an insult to say no. that you seem like someone who would like The Simpsons? <laughs> no, I just you know, Jack he just, he I, has to watch The Simpsons. No, so I, it was not a show that uh, my parents particularly approved of <laughs> right. when I was a kid, and so I kind of missed it. And then by the time I got into high school, it's like I look, guys, I've never seen the show. I'm not right. like I'm, I'm I'm past caring. So no, I've never really seen much of The Simpsons at all. I don't know. I, I watched it a long time ago, and I know that they had very slapstick comedy towards a gas station convenience store owner, and he was the Indian guy, and it was for humor. It wasn't for, oh, let's let's have more races represented. It was, let's also laugh at how he's talking and how yeah. he says Slurpees and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is that sort of stuff offensive? Like, if you were to be watching The Simpsons, would you be like, that's, no, that makes I think, me feel uncomfortable? I think that's funny. I mean, I think stereotypes are, are stereotypes for a reason, right? Yeah. I think I always heard the, heard the joke, but I'd never really seen it until I walked into a 7-Eleven and saw an Indian family running it. I was like... Hmm. There, there's, <laughs> this is just this is just odd enough to be funny and also like come on people find something else to do yeah. Uh, yeah. but I don't think that that's offensive to me however I will speak for myself right like I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that no other Indian person is gonna be offended by that also because of just how I was raised uh, and with a lot of you know interaction and influence and and just mingling with with Western populations coming in and out of my city. I would take it as a joke and leave it at that. I, I could also very well see somebody feeling uneasy and downright offended by it yeah. as well. So the broader conversation that I'm curious what all y'all think about it. So I guess establishing some groundwork, would we all agree that we have made a lot of progress in regard to being more sensitive in a good way towards feelings when it comes to racism. Like, in other words, I need to watch how I say such and such, or I need to avoid certain words. Like, would we all agree that we've made good progress? I'd say we've made progress. I don't know if it's good or enough progress. We haven't arrived. I'm not saying that. Yeah. We've only probably had a very on-the-nose conversation about some conversation or topics like this 
for the last five years, maybe, that, that I'm aware of. In the grand scheme of things, in the grand timeline of things, I don't know how much that translates to we've had a lot of progress. Now, I'm, I think there's been progress. It's just, I think, ebbs and flows depending on what's happening in the world yeah. and what latest incident we have to talk about. And if it triggers enough hearts and minds to, to say we need to do something about it until we just go back to our rhythms and routines and wait for the next incident. Yeah, just so y'all know where I'm talking about is, is stuff as simple as words that you used to be able to say certain words and nobody would bat an eye. And that was not a good thing. Nowadays, it's like, no, you, you don't say that. And it's for very good reason. Obviously, it's way broader than that, but that just seems to be some low-hanging fruit of words that used to be acceptable and now they aren't. That seems like progress. Yeah, I would say in some ways, yes, Um, culturally, that because when a large portion of the culture stops people from saying something that would be inappropriate, I think that's helpful. I think the, the progress versus good progress, you have to ask... Is, so, is it checking someone because they're not being politically correct and they'll be canceled and that's their only motivation? Mm-hmm. Or do they recognize that this language or this comment or this thing could be, could really hurt someone? And so I think it's kind of both, you know, like we do have a larger percentage of people who are saying, no, there are some things that are off limits and there are consequences to that. So is society as a whole just fearing the consequences and so being silent or are they like, because I can't say that now I'm recognizing it and I have a moment to pause. So I think we definitely have made progress, whether that progress is good or not, again, has to do with hearts, which we can't really measure. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like I was watching a movie that was made in the nineties and some gay people were referred to as the F word. And now the four of us would be like, no, you, you don't call gay people by that name, you know? And that's that was the 90s. That was when I was in high school. Like the progress, I, part of the question is what's your baseline? You know, have we made progress since the 1950s? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have we made progress in the last 10 years? Uh, that's where it's like, I don't know. Maybe we have. Everyone seems angrier than 10, 15 years <laughs> yeah. ago. And so I think that's a question. It's like progress, but is it good progress? And I really do think that, you know, our culture does have a an obsession with words, uh, it's like a weird purity kind of thing. You know what I mean? And so it's like, like Lynn was saying, like, no, you can't say that word. Okay, we're not saying certain words anymore because we've realized, boy, they're deeply offensive to people I care about, or because I want to make sure that everyone knows that I'm on the right team. Yeah, and, and I, think all and the I right don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, right. I don't want to generalize, but like, I, and I don't have to because I know some individuals who several years ago it was just very in vogue to make sure that, you know, in, in your social media profile picture, you had a sign or a shirt. Look, the, a lot of people were doing that for, for really good reasons. I also know some people who are like, hey, look, guys, I am on the right team. Yeah. I want all of you to see it. Yeah. See, like, can you see me? Do yeah. you see me? And then, you know, a month later, they would have something else in the social media profile to make sure they knew, hey, I'm on the team. This is the thing of the minute. I'm mm-hmm. on the right side. Yeah. yeah. I see a ton of that. Where, look, you might be on the right side every time, but I think that's not—you uh, you, can, uh, can take vitamins every day that you do not need because vitamins are good, and that does nothing for your body. It just, like, goes right out of it. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of—you um, know, people feel weird about the term virtue signaling, but I, I actually think it's a broadly uh, accurate term in terms of the 
you're basically kind of an, you don't actually have convictions. Mm-hmm. You just, the con, one conviction you have is to be on the right side uh, for whatever reason, because it profits you, because you want to get be liked, because, because you don't want to be hated, mm-hmm. um, you know, any number of reasons. All that is, is, you know, ritual sacrifices to keep the cultural gods happy. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Yeah. And and so in that sense, that's where I think the I think we've made backwards progress in that I think too much of that comes from a desire to not be attacked or to be on the right side rather than any any actual heart change. But heart change is like that's how change happens. Yeah. yeah like real good. lasting change. I think to your to your point about I think people are just angrier. I think when things happened in the past, say nineteen fifties, I think people were still angry. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't as worldwide communicated over social media instantly and you didn't have this avenue to to let the whole world know within a few seconds of here's how i feel about this you probably let your family know you probably let your, let your co-workers and your and your colleagues know if you were offended by it or upset about it but it stayed contained with that region the rest of the world never heard about it or by the time they heard about it it was nothing to be angry about anymore or not the nothing nothing to be angry about but it had passed i think you you're 100 right I think, I think we notice more people are angry all the time but because they're just inundated by instant connection to somebody else who's angry and can then feel that anger mm-hmm. and keep building on it. Yeah. So two things, uh, I, I want to just mention one of them and then I want to dis- discuss the second one. I think some of the drawbacks of where we find ourselves now, you know, Jack has already touched on it, but we only look at words and we're too lazy to consider the motive behind the words. Maybe some people would take offense that I think this is a funny example, but this person had no ill intent and he's dead now, so we can talk about him. But you listen to a lot of Tim Keller. I listened to a lot of Tim Keller back in the day, and there was one time in a sermon and I was like, I had to hit rewind. I was like, did he just say that? But he was talking about the least of these. And then he went on a list of, and I, I don't oh, remember I exactly what it was, but it was like the poor, the retarded. And, yeah. and he like, like went on and Nowadays, that dude would be absolutely crucified. People would want to mm-hmm. cancel him. I can't believe it. And it's like the dude is in his seventies. That word originates scientifically. So the the original intent of that word was not to make Correct. fun of people. Culture evolved to where we use that word for slander. And so then we were like, wait a second, we're we're misusing that word. We need to back up. But to say Tim Keller is a mean-spirited, callous, hateful yeah. person towards that demographic of people is insane. Like, it's just ridiculous. Now, if somebody wants to say, hey, that's insensitive, you shouldn't use that word, but to not use any sort of critical thinking and realize his intent there was was not impure. Like that's that's something that I think that is ridiculous about society is we just hear a word and we don't even care what the motive was. It was just bad and that makes that person bad. What I want to talk to you guys about though is some of the lighthearted team humanity playfulness that I think that we have let go of. It's like we've we've swung in such a hard way to political correctness. I think we've lost some fun about being human. And and what made me think think about this was we watched Rush Hour as as a family. You know, it's one of those movies that I thought my kids are at a good age to where we can laugh at Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan and and you know have a have a good family fun night. Well watching that movie, Chris Tucker makes fun of black people. He makes fun of Asian people. He makes fun of white people. There's even a part where Jackie Chan, by the way, I would not have this conversation with a bunch of white guys because I very, <laughs> very well could have some blind spots here. So I'm not 
talking like in an emphatic way. But there's, uh, in a cute and innocent way, Jackie Chan goes around a bar saying the N-word, having no idea that it's a word that he doesn't say because his friend Chris Tucker says it in such a playful way to other other black people. And so, so many of us fell in love with that movie because of the friendship developed between Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, including some of that racial discomfort. I mean, some of the stuff that they say, there's no mean spirit at all. It's just we're, we're watching these two guys develop as friends, and we're like, that's hilarious. That's something that I sometimes get sad about, and I'm not sure if there's any blind spots there, but it's like, come on, we're also Team Humanity, Let's joke around and have fun about our differences because in a way, I think that that celebrates it. You guys? I think there are certain words that have taken on a meaning and have been all, always meant that way. Not like they've taken on a meaning. And some of them even have just been meant in a manner that is not honoring to the other person. I don't see it ever a reason to, to joke about it. That tells me that you lack vocabulary than choosing to use a word that might be funny in the moment. So, I mean, a lot of uh, stand-up com- comics today, they'll drop the F word almost like it's every other, every other word, right? And can they be funny without it? Sure. There's plenty of other stand-up comics out there that will go an entire hour-long set and speak eloquently and still be really, really funny. So, yeah, I mean, I think Team Humanity is a, is a great argument, unless it is literally between two guys and there's nobody else in the room. But the moment there's a third person in the room that doesn't have context of that relationship, it just doesn't benefit anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's in context of where it's happening. You know, like if you're in a group of friends, I mean, I have friends who make jokes like that, you know. Um, And so if you're in a group of friends and you love each other and you know, and you're just kind of joking about stereotypes that aren't harmful. Yeah. um, But I don't think we take our cues from culture. Um, because even when Rush Hour came out, there are all sorts of problems going on in America in the 90s, you know? And so, um, I don't—what year did that come out? It would have been 98, when was Yeah, so I even think about, like, you know, Rodney King, all—you know, so, like, just because there were jokes happening doesn't mean that, like, sure. society was in a different place. No, I don't so, think so at um, all. So I do think I still see that. I still see that in comedy on TV. I still see that in movies. I still see that in friend groups. So I guess it just depends on where it is, who are the people in relationship, and what's their purpose, you know? We see a lot of comedians who are still, and some comedians are intentionally trying to call out problems in culture, and they do it through humor. And so they'll go after some of those stereotypes. Some people are just being funny. So I guess it just... It is all situational. Well, no, it is all situational. Like, because, like, the, just the idea of humor runs the gamut. You know, there's a difference between, uh, you know, being in a group of friends, joking around. You know, there, there are very few people who like hurting people with jokes. Like, I don't, you know, almost no one likes to hurt someone with a joke. That's the whole point. It's funny because it's transgressive, but the other person will think it's funny. Yeah. That's the deal. And and then, you know, all the way to, look, stand-up comedian. So I'm, I'm someone who thinks, like, in general, I think stand-up comedy should kind of have no boundaries. I think that's kind of the point. And I think so, so kind, of, kind of two examples of, you know, guys who tend to make pretty jokes all over the place with, you know, racial and everything else. Like Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr will go everywhere. Yep. And I think those are two guys actually have pretty good credibility to do it. You know, Dave Chappelle, I feel like, is, is kind of established. He'll talk about anything and anybody. But he, well— some people might think he doesn't like people, but I just like Dave Chappelle doesn't hate anybody. He just like, hey, what's funny for me to talk about? Then it's just like, look, 
do, do you like laughing at yourself or don't you? And if you don't, if you don't like laughing at yourself, just don't, don't go to a comedy show. And, uh, but you gotta laugh at yourself. And then it's like the, okay, so what jokes are okay? Well, as soon as you're asking what jokes are okay, it's like, well, I, I you know, again, what's the context? If you're in a group of friends, that's a good question to ask. Yeah. Because again, unless you're just a jerk, you don't want to genuinely make someone upset. But, you know, I hope a stand-up comic never asks what jokes are okay for me to tell. You know, it's like, yeah, go get in trouble. That's your job. <laughs> That's your job. Go get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, go get in trouble a little bit. Figure out where the lines are. <laughs> That's what's funny is where the lines are. You know, but then there are also like plenty of comedians who, you know, don't aren't transgressive. They're just naturally funny people. And that's, that's great too. Um, yeah, joking's hard. And, and honestly, that's how you learn when you're a kid. You, you kind of learn by telling a joke that doesn't work or that ticks someone off or that, you know, really upsets someone or you, you forget like, oh shoot, you know, like that joke deals with this. And I forgot that so-and-so was in the room. Ah, that was, you know, but then, then there are other times like, I remember I was in high school, uh, you know, I don't even think it was a joke. I just think I made, you know, some joke or joke or comment about asthma. And my, there's one person in the group was like, my friend died from asthma. And everyone else was like, go away, Melissa. Just like, just, what, are you, what are you even talking about? <laughs> just because it was one of those like, look, you're not making, this is not about your friend. This is about you wanting to be the center of attention. You know, it's like one of those. Yeah. So like, look, it's all over the place. And, you know, humor is humor. And uh, everything's about context. I have asthma and I'm really... Uh... Sad about it. It makes me happy that I made you sad. <laughs> so yeah, now my context delights me to upset you. Mission accomplished. Lynn, well, let's let's take the let's take the the rush hour scene specifically. Do, do you do you remember enough about the movie or not really? I think so. So so one of the funnier parts I think that a lot of people talk about is Chris Tucker. Uh, his character is a black police officer and he also knows a lot of people behind the scenes that are doing crime like he knows a lot of people and so he's going around the bar saying what's up and then saying the n-word so jackie chan is listening and everything then chris tucker goes in a room so jackie chan is left there to kind of intermingle without chris tucker there and so he uses the same terminology and obviously it backfires because these guys are like why are you using that word i don't see that as like the the joke is not about that word and it's not about the 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 offense of that word it is the lack of knowledge on jackie chan's part and him getting in trouble and that being the funny part is hey he took his cues from a guy who was saying that and he has no idea what he's saying but i recently actually made a joke it was in a text group of about 10 people and i really hurt somebody's feelings bad and it was along the lines of what we're talking about right now like the the joke wasn't against any sort of race uh a lot of y'all know robbie madison him and i are very close and so him and I talked, he was on the text thread. Him and I talked about it afterwards. It wasn't offensive to him, but him and I have a really close relationship. The other guy is a childhood friend of mine who we are just starting to get to know each other as adults. He's black as well. And it didn't sit well with him at all. And him and I talked about it afterwards. And I think for me, what I recognized is that I don't have the reference point of personal hurt that comes out of those words. And so that's what I'm trying to get to the the bottom of is what what is the blind spot for me? And I think if anything, the lesson that I learned was I need to be way more careful. I have not arrived at some sort of place where I just know what hurts people and what, what doesn't hurt people. But go anywhere you want, Lynn, we'll wrap this thing up here. Like that scene in Rush Hour, is that something 
that Lynn in 2023 is like, that's funny. That's a funny situation. I don't, I mean, I think I remember laughing (laughs) then, but Lynn then was not saved. So just to be clear, like what I thought was funny back then, I don't necessarily think is funny now. And what made that scene wasn't just that Jackie Chan didn't have, or his character didn't have context for it. That scene is like a play on the eternal dialogue that goes on in our country of a word that was used racially to put people down, put people in their place. And then a way that it was used internally among the race. And then the argument of why can you use it with each other, but we can't use it. And so someone coming from another country wouldn't understand why somebody would use a word that somebody else can't use. And so it's like, that's why it's a joke. It's because of that conversation and that argument and that dialogue back and forth of like, why is it okay for you to use it, but it's not okay for me to use it? So in that sense, no, I don't know that I would laugh at it now because I still kind of cringe. And I grew up in a family where I have family members who use it and I have family members who don't. In my household, you don't use it. It's not a term of endearment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I have uncles who do. And going back to your point, you like with anything, you have to know people. Mm-hmm. And so if you, I think you just have to walk that line of like, if you don't know someone well enough to know their experiences or whether something would offend them, you know, like why yeah. dance with that, especially in like a a friend conversation, because in that context, it's the question of like, is are you safe? Are you my friend mm-hmm. or not? It's not like a comedian on stage that you can brush off. Right. And so like my friends would know better to not use that word around me. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, they wouldn't make a joke that I would, you know, that I would be like, hey, I don't. And I would probably circumvent the group text and be like, hey, what are you doing? And I usually like don't like with some comedians, if they're making a joke like that, even when I hear it, I'm like, whether it ends with the ER or with the A, something turns within me. But again, that's how in my home, you didn't use that in any context. And so again, it goes back to like personal relationship and situation. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I mean, and I think, like you said, context is absolutely key there. The other part is, I think, why the joke between Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker was funny was because of Jackie Chan's perceived or at least portrayed ignorance of the situation right and i think that's sometimes we can be like oh that's just common sense like don't don't use a word well not necessarily common sense can be common to a region and so there's no reason for somebody who lives in mountains their entire life to know what tides mean and and then to have common sense around living on a coastal region to that same point if it is inadvertently said in the moment where somebody's not expected to know any different then sure help educate the person and then correct them gently and let it go. But if it becomes a, a place where it's just said because they would have known better and, and it was it was said for the sake of trying to be funny or trying to be somebody who's trying to fit in or or for whatever the other motive, then like like Lynn said, like there's just don't go there unless you know for a fact that that is accepted and hundred percent okay and isn't gonna isn't gonna offend or or demean or devalue anybody. Yeah. Jack, I think as this conversation has gone where it is, it's probably not good to end with those racial jokes that you wanted to share <laughs> at the end of the conversation. <laughs> Unbelievable. We're not we're not gonna do that. Sorry. I know you're excited about them. <laughs> Unbelievable. At, at this point, Jack, do, are you uncomfortable? Well, I, pro- if, I if, promise if, if, if I'd share them. <laughs> you send me that long, long email, and I was like, okay, that's what you want. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening. The series continues in the next episode with part three of the series, Steph Curry's education, microchips in Sweden, scarcity of kindness, and other things. If you enjoy these episodes, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and maybe even a comment. We've loved the comments that have come in so far. There's also a link in the show notes to our podcast Facebook group where we talk about these episodes and we share some behind the scenes information, including guests that we're booking. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. It's okay. I have to say Luke's last name. Guy Quad. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. Guy Quad. Do you know what the big eye is? I just want to see if you I read it. I literally, I read through it. The first line I read was at the very end to see who was in it and also to see if I had to pronounce Luke's last name. And all I saw was, it's Luke coming from the big eye. The big and I was eye. Like, the what? India. The big eye. India. Bring it. I've never, like, is that a thing? No. That's, just, a, Joey that's, that's a Joey thing. That's a Joey thing. Okay, perfect, right. perfect.